Oh, shit. I'm supposed to be recording no clip right now. Bitmaster Chad, show us your bodies. Welcome to No Clip. Um, today we're gonna be talking about Chips Challenge. No, no, not Chips. No, Challenge. Chad. No, we're like we're playing that one game, you know, with like the girl. She like rewinds time and like takes pictures and stuff. Uh, smooth, smooth one, one Chad. Chad. I better, I better rewind. rewind. Welcome to No Clip. Uh, today we're actually going to be talking about Life is Strange. Um, and I know that we put, like, a spoiler warning up on our website and in the introduction thing, which is also but the beginning no of the first episode. look at that or watch that, so... <laughs> but anyone who's listening to this is listening to this, so... Right. It is, uh... Yeah, we should warrant that... It does warrant that this is a game that is almost entirely plot and story... <laughs> The mechanics are fairly light, and it's not like a like Shadow of the Colossus where you can like know what's going on and still enjoy playing the game. You might still enjoy it, but it'll be much less. So uh, keep that in mind if you choose to listen further. That action will have consequences. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> All right. So actually, welcome to No Clip. I'm Chad Rillerman. I'm J.J. Artemis. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, as I've said before, we're going to be talking about Life is Strange. Uh, this was a game developed by Don't Nod Entertainment uh, and published by Square Enix. And it was released in five episodic parts uh, starting in January yeah, of 2015. Yep. Uh, with, I guess, a like console release of the full thing uh, slated for early next year, 2016. At the recording of this podcast. Yeah, right. Um, so, I think that actually is pretty much a good way to start into describing this game, in that it released in a five-part episodic format, similar to another popular <laughs> adventure game developer, <laughs> Telltale Games, uh, whose games feature a lot of choice-based, narratively structured gameplay. Hmm. Uh and unique art styles, yeah, and slightly unusual themes. Yeah, it seems as though this game has taken a lot yeah. from that uh, that formula. Heavily influenced, at least eighty percent of but pages, not mm. in a bad way. Yeah. No, yeah, the at game all. definitely. It, the game feels like the kind of thing that uh, if you played a Telltale game and you were like. God, like if I had just known what this would have ha- what would have happened, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah, and they just wanted to give you that choice with this game. So I guess kind of feels like a like a, a fan of Telltale's games. Yeah. Do we know anything about the the initial history of Don't Nod? Because I mean, obviously, the existence of a game like this isn't a coincidence. It's a direct response to all the stuff Telltale had been doing recently after The Walking Dead got so popular. But all I know about Don't Nod is that they're a French developer, and I know that previously they released a game called Remember Me. Oh, they're they're the people behind Remember Me? Yeah. Oh. I don't know what Remember Me is. Uh, is, I don't actually know how similar it is. It's not. Okay, yeah. But it is another, like, adventure-y style game. Yeah. 
with a female protagonist. But I think that's where the similarities end. Yeah. Is it also really artsy? Uh, you definitely do not play as like a hipster chick, right? In photography, <laughs> there's, no, there's no way hipster bullshit. <laughs> no. no, not well, probably not. I, it's among the pantheon of games that I own and have not played, so I will probably get around to it based on how much I enjoyed. Life is strange. You like games a lot to call your collection of them a pantheon. Yes, they're like gods. It, it is a pantheon of games. Yeah. This is the only way to it's, describe yeah, it. Yeah, it's the best descriptor. Uh, but anyway, I guess a little uh, background. Uh, this is a game where you play as, uh, was she 18? She turns 18 in the first episode. All right. Yep. Oh, yeah, because your mom takes you and is like, I gave you some money. Yeah. And then you're like, fuck you, mom. Yeah. I'm not going to respond to you ever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you play as 18-year-old Max Caulfield, who is the worst text responder of all time. Right. Uh, Unless it's her friend, Chloe. Right. Yeah, who is like, uh, oh, sometimes I'm dead. <laughs> she is sometimes dead. Yeah. yeah. Uh who, through a weird series of events, uh, gains the ability to reverse time, which is, like, your core mechanic, if you want to call it that. The game is very, like, uh, which I do want to call it that, actually. I, I think all of that call back. it that. It's yes. 100% the core mechanic, uh, which you use to manipulate, like, dialogue trees and solve a few, like, action-based puzzles. Mm-hmm. Uh and that's really about it. A lot of the like depth in this game comes from like the actual character interaction, of which there is a lot. So, I guess what? Where do we want to start? Do we want to? Well, I know my playthrough differed a lot from both of yours, but we did a little bit of pre-talking. And it does seem like his is very different than mine. <laughs> oh, okay. I was. Yeah. I know that ours is, were like ours almost very, identical. Yeah, ours yeah. were very similar. Because <laughs> so. we're like the same person. Right. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I kind of expected um, your playthrough to go also similarly to ours. Because my initial impression of like the time reverse mechanic in the game yeah. is that in... a choice-based adventure game like this that it was actually a bad decision yeah, to it put does, in the game. It does seem a little counterintuitive at first. But Why? Oh, because it's like... Well, I mostly because at the time I was drawing comparisons to The Walking Dead. Of course. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much inevitable if you've played The Walking Dead. So, I'm thinking, like, choosing to, like, save someone's life or let them die in that game, it's like the whole sort of point behind that one, behind The Walking Dead, is that your choices have consequences and that they do matter. Yeah, they're permanent. Right, and that they, you can't take them back. But Life is Strange kind of says, like, you can see the immediate outcome and then flip it back and choose the other thing if you don't like it. But you still have some ignorance. That's right. important, right? right. Any, any serious choice, they still limit you. If you leave the room of whatever you made the choice, you can't take it back anymore. So you can't just custom sculpt your own playthrough. Right. It's the long-term consequences that you're still ignorant of at any point in right. time. That's why I said it was just initially off-putting, because you don't realize that right away. Yeah, at first Because at first it just seems like, oh, I can do whatever, 
and just rewind it, and then you learn that that's not the case. Yeah, I think the the biggest like point of evidence that that's true is the fact that now, having gone through the game, there are things I wish I would have done. Yeah, meaning that I do know it's like I wish I would have bullied Victoria more because she's a bitch. I was just taking a picture of David, the homeless woman. I wish oh, yeah. I would have talked to the homeless wish woman. Anyone would have found the homeless woman. <laughs> none of us. None of us found the homeless woman. I no. assume you didn't. No, I no, we didn't even know yeah, that, that was a we, thing. We just <laughs> found her dead body. Yep. Yeah. yeah <laughs> at the end, mm. and then was guilted into how you should have done something, even they didn't know. The yeah. And yeah. when they show us up this the stat screen at the end, it was like three percent of people talked <laughs> to the homeless woman. <laughs> What yeah. homeless woman? Yeah, it's such. We, uh, I mean, even though, even though it, in retrospect, you do have like pretty serious like blind spots when trying to determine what choice to make. The stat screen at the end is a pretty big indicator that allowing people to reverse is going to make the playthroughs kind of samey because there were in most major instances there were pretty significant like sways to one side or the other. Mm-hmm. There are a few that are pretty evenly split, yeah. but they're in the minority for sure. Most importantly, the ending choice, which is probably the one we're all most surprised isn't skewed one particular direction. Well, I'm not particularly surprised. I feel like that's kind of a... For, for context, yeah. the ending choice uh, being whether you want to save Chloe or save the town that you live in, uh, is, I mean, like, it definitely has, like, an emotional pull one way or the other. Of course. So I can totally see somebody justifying either one. But, like, when it comes to, like, seeing, like, I don't know, it's a lot of the, like, after-choice dialogue that makes you feel like what you did was bad. Oh, yeah. Obviously, it's, it's... The skew isn't affecting it in that case because you can't rewind the ending choice. It's a cutscene. Oh yeah, also after that. the point. Yeah. Right. yeah. So it, this, the breakdown there is just evidence of how split people were about the choice, which I guess is a good thing yeah. because I assume they want you to be like have this yeah. heart wrenching back and forth. I'm decision. curious to like know the statistics on the number of people who googled what would happen before they made the decision. Yeah, in this because uh, I'm sure there's like most of the people who play the game like wouldn't want to do that, but you know there's like a large chunk that totally did. Right. <laughs> and in a, a, another discrepancy between this and a Telltale game, there's no time limit on your choice decision, which I, I think is the right that. choice for this game. Right, because then what's the point of being able to rewind it? Right, okay, it would just be unneeded tedium. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But kind of thing, just didn't need because that last choice, you could theoretically just hold on the screen well. while you Google what happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you don't, you don't <laughs> know this yet. Uh, I literally spent an hour and a half on that screen. I sat the controller down, like got a shower, and like <laughs> He got to soak his head. And came yeah. back. To the choice before making a final decision. Wow. Yeah. I was actually sort of under the impression coming in that you weren't going to like the game that much. Oh, uh, I my this opinion is of the game where is very positive. Start to skew. Yeah. <laughs> in our experience, I thought the game was like medium telltale quality, uh, cool premises. Uh, medium telltale quality is like. High and above normal quality. So See, I don't compare even think, the scales here. I think you could say that about like because t- you can't keep in mind that Telltale also makes like 
CSI the yeah. game. I was oh. going to say, yeah, it's high Telltale quality for sure. Yeah. It's, I was it, comparing it to, like, The Wolf Among Us. Right. That was what came to The Wolf Among Us is a I fairly good comparison. It's right. I think it's on par. Yeah. It's, I think, personally, I think it's better. But, like, I think objectively they're about the same yeah. quality. I feel like... Uh, the Walking Dead is a slightly better game. Albeit, I haven't played season two, but season one of The Walking Dead, I think, is a slightly better game. Uh, but this game, <laughs> which I'm sure this is something we're going to talk about, yeah. really like got to me. Me too. Mm. I felt the same way as you uh, until episode five. Episode five is a pile of horseshit. <laughs> is, See, that, is that a pile of horseshit? This is where like we differ. Is that like JJ said his experience went up when he hit episode five? Oh. Not just that. In both of us, it was like oh, it was a huge job. <laughs> it was yeah. like the capstone of the experience for me. Yeah. I, I had been waiting for consequences like the consequences experienced in five to take place. I waited for the mechanics of the game to be made use of in like a really sort of hands off, go your own way thing. Like, what I'm referencing is uh, when you're professor, when Mark the second Jefferson. time or third or God, you were back in that chair so many damn times, yeah. uh, comes yeah. to kill you, and uh, step douche comes to your rescue. Right. Uh, Mr. Jefferson. And yes. David Madsen. And David. Correct. Yeah. JJ. Hey. Hey. <laughs> that sequence where you have just a plethora of not just individual options to pick from at one time, but, like, chaining options to go through is something I'd wanted out of the, like, time reversal mechanic the whole game. And when I finally got it as, like, this, like, active time puzzle to work through, I was having the time of my life. And that speaks nothing of the nightmare sequence, which I'm... I'll admit the, like, weird existential madness stuff that, like, you experienced that I'm particularly weak to. It's some of, like, the best memories I have with, like, the early Kingdom Hearts games, things like that. Um... But yeah, episode five really was my high point of the whole. Right. The whole thing. I actually, um, even like after hearing your description of like the entirety of the episode, the first portion of the episode where you're actually like in the chair and then you go back and then you are back in the chair and then all that <laughs> stuff. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed all of that. Uh, it's that like that ending sequence where it's just like a weird out of body experience that felt kind of cheesy to me. Like, it didn't feel like it was, like, really... W- it had some funny lines. Like, I thought that, like, people... You thought the nightmare was cheesy and had funny lines? Yeah, that's, like, my whole... Like, when you're... Like, the stealth section? I... Why is that included in this game? <laughs> Why is there a stealth section? Okay. I was upset about the stealth section in the pool. <laughs> I thought that was dumb, too. <laughs> because... It- the stealth section at the end of the game is it ties in with like the crazy horror vulnerability feeling at all times. Not just because it is stealth, but because it's set up in such a way that you're going to fail like a million times over and over and over again and have to keep rewinding. Right, if you want to call that failing. Like, I kind of view this game as one that has no fail state. Yeah, I also felt like the amount of like jumping around and then she's like goes to one reality, then she comes back, then she's in the chair, then she goes to another photograph, then she has the nightmare sequence, then it's the weird stealth section, then it's the trip down memory lane. Right. Like it, it all feels a bit too all over the place to me. It feels like the particularly the like when you're in the museum section at the end and the uh 
and the stealth section mm-hmm. feel like padding to me. Like, I feel like they had finished what they were doing, and they were like, we need to make the, like, the episode at least four hours long. So they put in a stealth section. I think both had distinct purposes within the context of the episode. The art gallery sequence was sort of the necessary breathing room. I like that. Oh, no, no, no. I don't mean that. I mean when you're... The stealth section with where Mark Jefferson is just walking around the gallery and you're, like, avoiding him. Oh, oh, right. just, oh just those two halves of the stealth section. Yeah. Because they're, they're both long enough to justify being referred to as their own section. Yes. You just pick up the bottles again? Like, yeah. <laughs> seriously? <laughs> okay. It's like, I feel like it wouldn't have felt as weird to me... Cause, like, it felt really abrupt and, like, out of place because there hadn't been anything like that in the whole game. Right. It's like, there was, like, the way, the reason I think, if you boil it down, for me, episode five felt kind of weird and, like, all over the place, is because it's, like, a real shift in focus from the other episodes, where it had been more about, like, Max and Chloe's, like, lives. Right. Their and interactions then, with their yeah, surroundings. Yeah, and their interactions with their surroundings. And then it just, it's like, oh, hey, remember all that supernatural stuff? Here's right. all that <laughs> in one episode. I feel like they and just, like, oh. they had to, like, get a reason for why Max won't use her, like, time travel powers anymore. And so they were like, this is what happens when she pushes it too far. Right. And then what they did was they just basically, they did the classic, like, externalizing all of her inner like worries which right, some of which that is, is cool. cool yeah cool right. theme. yeah but he did have funny lines though you have to admit like anything nathan prescott said at the end of the game was there, amazing there were really funny lines in there yeah i the purpose of the nightmare sequence to me was like you said all prior episodes of the game were based around you as sort of the standoff observer interacting with your environment in some way manipulating events towards your desired outcomes and the nightmare sequence was attempting to completely remove that from you entirely. So right. you're correct in that, it, in that it's all over the place, because it's literally a complete reversal of most of the primary mechanics of the game. Instead of you trying to change what's going on with the world, the world is instead trying to change you. Right. It, I just, I feel like it didn't like work on me the way they wanted it to. Because <laughs> like, I feel like yeah, like they wanted to like take that feeling of control away from you, but you could still reverse time, so you had all the control. Right. It was, like, individual distinct horror moments that got to me. I actually, there were, like, two times in the course of the episode, although I assume the second wasn't intended, uh, in which, like, I originally, like, sort of shouted and gave myself a little jump. Uh, the first, Really? Yeah, really. Oh, you thought it was scary? Like, legitimately? The, well, two sequences I thought were scary. I thought it was, like, weird and trippy and cool. But never scared. <laughs> the birds hitting the window was the first time that I jumped because uh, I was I wasn't looking at the window. The camera doesn't default there. You're mm-hmm. just looking at the, the same like view of Mark Jefferson giving his lecture, and then you hear. Uh, I heard the sounds and didn't, didn't feel out of place yet. And once they got fast enough that I looked over and just saw a billion blood stains and more coming, that got me a jump. And the second was uh, during the sort of. Obviously, PT inspired repetitive hallway sequence. Oh right! Uh, when at one of oh, the... when Lisa shows up and snaps your neck. <laughs> yes, that. Oh, was... yeah. oh yeah, that was pretty scary. That was the scariest <laughs> part of the game for sure. I I went uh, 
into the hallway, the part looked where at you one like of the side windows. Play as Victoria. No, right? no. The, I just this is just it wasn't. They didn't even intend this to be scary. I'm sure. I just saw the squirrels. Oh yeah, like a giant squirrel face, like oh, looking yeah, into yeah, the yeah. window. I took a picture me. of that. Yeah, I just thought that was neat. You have to admit that it's creepy at times, though. When yeah. you're stuck inside the uh, little snow globe, and if you look to the left, there's a giant squirrel again. There's a giant. Yeah, there's another, <laughs> another giant like wooden squirrel uh, that was, of course, in that scene the whole time, and because you were looking at it at a different angle at all the points it never seemed even remotely worthy of comment but now it's like this like hulking thing that's making you feel tiny and threatened yeah i don't know if i would call it creepy as much as i would just think i think it's just weird i i would give it creepy yeah like it, i don't know none of it ever really got to me at all the bathroom sequence when you go into the keypad and come out and suddenly there's like five billion numbers scrolled and like horrifying yeah handwriting all over the walls that got to me too the episode re- like re- really did what I thought its intended purpose was for me, which was to, to make me feel disempowered and kind of horrified and sort of scrounging for my life. Hmm. Yeah, like I found it creepy, and I definitely also thought it was pretty cool. I just think that that whole stealth sequence and the like review of the story to that point felt like padding to me. That's um, my biggest issue with the whole episode. N- now that you've pointed out to me that there were actually two sequences, I'll definitely agree that it was too long. I don't think they needed both the Jefferson sequence and the Jefferson plus friends sequence. Right. And they yeah. probably didn't need you to actually get bottles either. Like, I have no idea why they wanted you to, like, go Spend back. more time there. I guess hypothetically so that you, like, go through the walking sequence and that maybe they were hoping that you would realize that, like, it's not over and that you'd have to actively make the choice to turn around and go back and face your fears again. But it's just speculation on my part. Regardless, we can agree that it wasn't effective toward that goal. Yeah. Additionally, if you want, if they wanted us to like go back through and then come back again, they should have recorded more barks for each like dude walking around mm-hmm. because they kind of repeated a lot of the same things. Yeah. But um, however, in that same vein, uh, the sequence where you're talking to Mister Jefferson in class after the birds hitting the window scene is amazing. Yeah. Like, hilariously funny. <laughs> and it's just like, that whole, like, because he, he just says, I think, his regular lines, and then, like, it there's, like, that abrupt shift, and then, like, he says something, he's like, oh, like, I'm sorry I killed your friend Chloe. <laughs> and then, like, all of your dialogue options are like, I'm pretty happy about it, she was a bitch anyway, and I was just like, that's so funny. <laughs> You're awful. <laughs> <laughs> it is all pretty funny. Yeah. I, I, I never thought it was funny. Did you see the poster? I that whole sequence. Yeah, I saw the poster. The one that says everyday zeros. Yeah. <laughs> and then Max's face is like, yeah. don't bother like, entering because Max already won because she lost. It all felt like <laughs> crazy weird bullying sequences to me. I, like the, uh, the Jefferson sequence was like removing my ability to even fucking control my own statements. Yeah. Oh, you can control your statements, but they were all terrible. Really that is equivalent yeah. to not being able to control yeah, your statements. It's just, I don't know. I find that kind of thing, like, just, just raucous. Just, yeah, like, whole, like knee-slapping. To be hilarious. fair, I think me and Chad found, like, the whole, like, their take on, like, teen dialogue really funny the whole game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like, I feel like some of that creeped into the final, like, the personality of all of the dialogue. Well, that's a, that's a really... Imp- yeah, <laughs> that's a really important, like point in general about this game though is that we found the their take on teen dialogue to be funny predominantly because we know people 
like these people. It's not... It's a little bit like adults writing kids. Yeah. You get that impression, but at the same time, they're not far off enough that it's not not relatable. Absolutely. It comes off, I think, like world building, whether they intended it that way or not. Like, it gives it its own, like, unique, like feel like the way that all the characters talk in a certain way it yeah. sort of gave me gave me like a weird creepy twin peeps vibe that like strange twin peaks twin peeps oh, i say <laughs> twin peeps no the easter I it's like special like it's, of of peeps. it's where you grab one peep and then the other next <laughs> sticks, sticks to, to it yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was and then you were like oh i'm about to eat a shitty peep better rewind <laughs> I like peeps. I also like peeps. Uh, oh, sorry. I guess I'm the other Everyone I've ever talked to has been like, peeps are like the most disgusting thing no. in the world. Ever had like, no, I like love them. cotton candy peeps? Cotton no. candy peeps? No, they're not made of cotton candy. They're flavored like oh, cotton candy. I hate cotton candy flavoring. I think it's awful. <laughs> I- I'll be willing like, to give it a try. Like what cotton was candy I doing? Gum? Well, what, well, yeah, what were we talking peeps? about? It reminds you of Twin Peaks. Oh, yeah. Like the yeah. uncanniness. Of yeah, yeah, it was very uncanny valley. Uh, I was like something slightly off, like a bunch, like a collection of aliens, very, very well imitating children. Right. Uh, I don't. I didn't actually get too much of it. There were a few characters I that you, seemed I think like I get parody. used to it. Yeah. Really easily. Like I like I felt like Juliet uh, felt like sort of like a parent. Like she was just she existed. She's the cheerleader. Yeah. But not. Yes. Yes. Or was she the cheerleader? She's the no. She's the reporter. Dana is the cheerleader. Yeah. She's like a three-dimensional yeah. character. Yeah. Juliet seems like a parody of what a person would be. <laughs> uh, but it's because she's not an important character, so she's yeah. just an archetype. Also, Alyssa, Alyssa is a parody of what yeah. a person would be. Al- yeah, Alyssa is an, is an excellent <laughs> example of just being an archetype and yeah. not really having... <laughs> when like, Daniel yeah. played through the game, the first episode, the first time, he rewound... And let her get hit in the head with the football like twenty times. You videotaped it and sent it to me. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh god, man! For their listeners' benefit, <laughs> fuck this shit. <laughs> Spike over and over again. <laughs> for the listeners' benefit, uh, we talk about Dan a lot on this podcast. Yeah. Dan is a friend of ours, and he's the one at the end of the Wind Waker podcast. He goes, "Oh, you guys are blowing my mind." <laughs> so. <laughs> One of these days, we're going to have Dan just come on and say something disparaging. I feel like and then eventually it. we should just have him on an episode. Word. Word. Until then, yeah. it is our turn to say disparaging things about him without, right. yeah, without him being there. To, exactly. Yep. <laughs> He's not going to listen. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, Alyssa's kind of like that, too. But, uh... <laughs> That was the other thing. That's our impression of her voice. Made me realize that you guys are just heartless bastards for (laughs) making your voice into that. Because her real voice is something like, oh, thanks, Max. But that's you so know, close! It's like so close! It's a literal honk noise! But it's. The reason that we exaggerate it is it's because it's already, like, <laughs> offensive. Yeah. Like, it's like a South Park character. Like, yeah. like, like one of, like, the fat, 
<laughs> like people shopping at Walmart on their uh, scooters. Right, yeah. Oh my god, are those candy corn Oreos? <laughs> you know, like, it's like, it's borderline that. Yeah. I guess the French just don't have a lot of fat people, or high yeah. opinions of fat people. Well, yeah, yeah the French yeah. hate fat people, you heard it here first. <laughs> Possibly not the best time in the world to make jokes about the French people no, as a just, whole. But they want to be treated like everybody else, JJ. Don't single them out. I won't. Okay. Okay. But they um, fat people. They do. <laughs> Singled. Wee wee. All right. What were we talking about? Uh, the characters. Characters. In this game and why it's so good. Uh, can we talk about Warren? Yeah, we can talk about Warren. Warren, well, I think, is creepy. The biggest miss of this game. I disagree. I feel like. Warren comes off like not a real person in all the most, at least most of the other characters do, and he's the most important one that to actually like be executed properly. Yeah, well, I feel like he comes off as a real person. I actually have, I can I can draw parallels between Warren and myself circa like junior high. Yeah, where but you he's think supposed that to you're, be 18. Well, he's just immature. Yeah. And, can, like, he, he like, I, the way that I see Warren is, like, he's the kind of person who, like, thinks it's cool, or thinks it, it makes him seem more, like, interesting and impressive to just have, like, obscure knowledge. Right. And, like, there I feel are... they play that sort of thing well. And you get ahead, but there's one other thing about Warren. I'm going to say, like, not everything about him seems fake and unbelievable. But right. it's like, I feel like what they're going for, like, they miss the mark. Like, it doesn't it doesn't all come together, I think, like they wanted it What's to. What's the miss? What, like, name a sequence like, that I think, think Warren like, wasn't human-like in. Hold on. <laughs> I just want to say that, like, upon I watched... I played the game with Chad watching. I watched JJ play, like... The first a two. third of the game, yeah. And I watched our friends Dan and his girlfriend Janelle together play the first two episodes, and both JJ, Janelle, and Dan all hated Warren's guts. <laughs> thought he was completely annoying, and were like, said "fuck you" to his lines multiple times. Like you're, spo- I feel like you're supposed to initially like Warren. And, like, they completely, like, miss the mark, make him say weird shit. Well, I think that you and, just... like, make him feel, like, kind of alien. I do. I think that they just want you to like Warren if you like Warren. Like, as a person, if See, you feel like you could relate to that character. I feel like they want... they. I feel like they imply, like, oh, Max should like Warren initially. Right. Why? I, fe- I feel like they... Because they're, like, they have it all set up, like, Max has no friends, and then, like... You get, like, the text message, like, oh, she's already been friends with Warren. She's been talking to him. He's been nice to her. Like, he gave her the flash drive, you know, like, you know how, like, kids are, or teenagers are. Like, oh, I made you a mixed CD because I like you. Right. You know, like, it's obvious. It's supposed to be, like, oh, he likes her. She kind of, like, she might like him. She doesn't know yet, you know. Like, it's supposed to feel like it's supposed to be, like, a, it's set up for you to, like, initially like him, I, I think like. all of those sort of pre-game pieces of evidence of Max and Warren's relationship could be equally true of a relationship wherein Warren is obsessed with Max and is just constantly trying to get her attention and Max is too nice of a human being to, like, turn him down. Mm. I think 
that related. It doesn't come off that way to me. Right. Something I said to you, well, I, I said just generally to the room, which I think at the time was just you and Janelle, when you were playing through the first chapter, is that Warren made me realize what it was like to be a girl. To be a girl. Yeah. Where you like He does they they do that effectively. Yeah, because like you get like you're like walking If you don't like him though. Yeah, I guess. But I mean even if you do, you're like walking to your dorm room and he's like, Hey, I'm waiting outside, I just wanted to check in and he's just like, Good Lord Warren, I talked <laughs> to you eight minutes ago. <laughs> Give me a goddamn minute. And I think that's why they set up the game such that it, having any feelings or caring about Warren is mostly just optional. They wanted you to be able but, to have the choice to respond to those kind of right, situations. Now, and they succeed in that, but I feel like they kind of like thrust him upon you too much. It's almost to say, like, you... Sh- yeah. I think Warren thrusts him upon yeah, you too much. Yeah, but I much. mean, like, he's a character that they're in control of. They wrote him that way, so they thrust him upon you. Okay, so if you write a character See, like, that's an annoying that's asshole, the thing. It's like the with character's me, fault or the writer's with fault? With all the characters in this game, the major characters, feel like real people. Like, I don't think, oh, they wrote the character this way because I'm supposed to react to them in this way. Right. But I do feel that way with Warren. Like, I see the pup, the strings on the puppet with Warren. He feels like a character in a fictional game. He, like, he breaks my immersion for some reason. Just because he, the, he, he is, like, he, omnipresent? Because he doesn't... I feel like all the other characters act like real people, and I think he doesn't. Have ad, Attempting not to be disparaging here, but... Have any of us had a situation where we've had some kind of Warren equivalent in our lives? Like, I've never had a person, like, fawn over me. I, this is going to make me sound, like, pretentious. (laughs) I have. And they don't act like Warren. Hmm. Okay. Opinion more respected (laughs) on Warren now. I don't know. I do like it's like like you put it. He feels like a junior high kid, right? Amongst all these like young adults, right? I don't know. Like I mean, just there's a weird clash of some kind for me. I just don't like the character. Uh, I, I didn't find anything too wrong with Warren, but in like to in validation of your point to a certain extent, uh, in the in the the sacrifice Chloe ending, mm-hmm. I find it really weird. That he, like, it, like comes to the funeral and stands right by you. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, well, that might have been that guy's specifically choices. in that guy's ending. It happened to me. Yeah, and I noted it at the time. And I like well, now. There's more evidence of right. them kind of thrusting that upon you. Like, oh, Max likes Warren. Right. Don't well, forget. Well, in my ending, <laughs> you might not, but Max does. <laughs> in my ending, I just though, feel like they do. That. It was like I had the really clear romantic Chloe and Max relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that just is how it happened. So it's weird that I mean Warren, I guess, was there. For the majority of like the major story events, yeah. mm-hmm. and like played a significant role, and would definitely be attached to Chloe in some extent. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I don't know, like the fact that he's like among right the there. first three people. Same with Kate. Like, I, it, I, it feels weird that she is at the funeral. I know as well. that Chloe mentions knowing Kate. I may have missed that. It's in like episode, <laughs> like it's right after uh, you meet back up with Chloe, and you tell. Chloe about how David was like 
you know, had Kate pulled aside and was like bullying her. Oh yeah, and she's then like, she's like, like "Oh, I know Kate. Yeah, she's yeah. cool." Right. You know, so it implies like they at least knew each other. Right. Definitely, I'll definitely agree on that point, though. But, I think the evidence of Warren being there is sort of weirdly not explained in the narrative. Yeah, if, and also, I think it's point. at the end of episode one or two, where like you're on the steps of the school, and she's like next to Warren. She like you know puts her head on his shoulder, oh. and they're talking. Oh, like, it, she I, would, I don't think my character put oh, her head on the shoulder. She did in mine. Oh, it's, uh, the, it's at the end of I think episode if you're, two. If, yeah, if you're nice the, to Warren, right. Warren armed me. Yeah, right. but but I she, think that's a I think that's like in. a pre rendered cutscene. I feel like it's just a thing that has to happen. Yeah, I don't that's think it, you that's can, what I'm saying. But it's like, yeah, but I don't think that you can like forcing that upon you. Like, oh, Warren's cool. Like Warren. I mean, you guys. Did just go through some pretty serious shit. True. Where your classmates just That's what kill I'm themselves. Like, I feel like succeeded. Yeah. By in the, by, I really hated Warren in the beginning because I feel like they handled him poorly. But then, like towards like the later parts of the game, where you see him less, right? And he says less. So I'm like, oh, like Warren's just like a regular dude. He likes Max, and he's trying to be a nice guy. Right. Like I, they, I feel like they, like they, I don't know. There's like inconsistencies. <laughs> I just hey. don't like I how Warren com- like plays out. I think you've con- you've converted us more than when we started. Okay. So. <laughs> uh, but speaking of funerals, as a sweet uh, segue, <laughs> when Kate dies, yeah, JJ, yeah, you murderer, <laughs> yeah, you uh, let Kate die. Did <laughs> you know such thing? Uh, <laughs> you were like, hey, you might as well just jump, and she was like, okay, and, and there it went. That was, that was your playthrough. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But uh, after you brutally murdered Kate, like by a monster, her. by pushing her, it, it came ledge. up. The one of the choices was push. push. Kate. <laughs> you get to the point. <laughs> Do they have a uh, like? Is there like a funeral sequence? No. For her? What sequence that goes on is she gets sort of like candlelight vigils not like as like like out in like the lawn or anything people just set up candles like in front of her door and she has a little shrine both there and at the front of the school and all the I white it was in front of the girl's store like where she hit the pavement i think maybe th- actually all three it's okay. all three of those things right. okay. uh and like all the whiteboards are now about kate everywhere uh, like with uh, all the characters individually saying their own that's neat like how you would expect them to react a lot of them are like just really hypocritical I'm yeah, really curious to see, Marsh. like, how stuff with Victoria plays out if Kate actually kills herself. Because right. I think I ended up liking Victoria in the end because I like, I, like she had like kind of a redemption. Yeah. But like, if Victoria, if Kate had actually killed herself, it would make Victoria seem like way worse. You're completely right. Her behavior, I assume, at least as I'm aware of it, her behavior would have been even more consistent had she not killed herself. As it stands in my playthrough. She seemed like just the slimiest, gnarliest yeah. tree person. It was it was real bad. Tree person? Who is that? Wait, Victoria? Yeah. I felt like, like Kate killing herself would have, like, softened Victoria up. Nope, she still, like, you know, attempted to, like, sex up Mr. Je- Jefferson. Uh, Mr. J? Mr. J. But, uh, yeah. I feel like that's how it would happen if this happened in real life. Like, someone like Victoria would, like, feel the need to, like, defend herself and not act any different. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I just feel like in that situation, you would be like, oh, God, like, 
me being a complete dickwad can have like consequences. Well, that's why they have the scene of her crying. But like, I right. feel like she would want to keep like her persona the same. Right. Like, she doesn't want other people to know like that's affected her. What, what she does, I mean, she in my playthrough after she wins uh, whatever award they were all vying over for, Mister Jefferson, the, the everyday, everyday heroes. heroes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't even bother uh, entering. Ded- Victoria <laughs> already won. <laughs> <laughs> she she dedicates uh, her reception of that reward to Kate's memory. In my play. Oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So she she does have the outward face of like let's all like respect Kate. Actually, I'm pretty sure that in the Save Kate playthrough, she also is like I dedicated this to Kate Marsh, which like, makes her seem like a better person, yeah. right? Whereas oh, when she dies, it makes you look like a douche. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that whole speech was just the most awful thing, dude. You know what's the most awful thing? What? Listening to that speech, knowing what happens later. <laughs> Because when I watched uh, Andy play through it, and, like, Jefferson's just like, oh, you should have been here for the, like, the Everyday Heroes Award, like, I'm sorry you didn't enter, and then, like, goes up and gives the award to Victoria. Like, you're just, I'm just sitting there going, like, God, this is weird. <laughs> this is so weird. That dude's a fucking monster. <laughs> Dude, I, zero... Zero prediction of the Mr. Jefferson twist at the end of episode Same four. Here. Yeah, like, I agree. Nothing. You said but, yeah, Janelle called Janelle on? called it immediately. Like, she, she was like, he's a smarmy douchebag. Right. Like, she like she knew something was up with him from the very beginning. Yeah. Previous conversations, she, she thought it was because, like, it, it, it makes sense, I guess. In that sequence, in the you very have, beginning. Yeah, you have all the, the classroom. Right. Di- different button prompts. You can interact with your cell phone, you take your little selfie, you check your backpack, you look at other people. Right. You have all this stuff that you can do. And it's the first time you can do anything in the whole game. Right. So, just like a kid in a classroom, you spend your whole time not paying any attention to the lecture and just doing whatever the fuck you want. And right. That's good and affecting in context. But the second time you're back in the nightmare sequence during all the lectures and shit, you don't have that. You just you don't have the same on-screen interactions that you had before. Right. So you just have the lecture and other crazy shit that's going on if you're that deep into the nightmare. So you can listen to it again and be like, "I'm getting some of the sliminess now." Right. And yeah. it'll obviously, be I can dream the should be in a dark in corner. In a dark corner. Yeah. 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 That's the big foreshadowy line. Right. I mean, it doesn't mean anything to you. But I mean, at the same the time, they do repeat that line. You probably hear that specific line if you're listening for it close to eight times before the reveal. Yeah. Like, you go back but to that scene a lot. At least for me, like, they made, like, a point of, like, that he has, like, this kind of, like, gothic style mm-hmm. right. of, like, photography. So, like, as somebody who's, like, a little bit more familiar with art, uh, like, people are like that. They have, like, weird, fucked up styles, so I didn't think anything of it. Right. Yeah. But when that twist first happened, I was actually almost a little bit mad because I was worried that there was just no justification for it at all and based on the things that could they come up. I remember saying at the time that like they might as well have Ronald McDonald standing there over <laughs> with the gun in his hand, but I eventually bought in. I, I'm not against it now. I think it works. I think it's actually a really good twist. Yeah, and it's effective for that reason. There was nothing that hints at, at, at all at the time, so it's incredibly surprising, but in retrospect, there's enough there that it can be justified in some right. sense. Yeah, that's the thing. When you come up, when you have like a, a story element like that, it's not necessarily about making it, like making the audience feel dumb for not predicting it. Yeah, it's just making sure that the pieces are there so that if you go back and think about it, it still makes sense. Right. It's like 
I think that there is one instance that I didn't even pick up on until now, so I don't even know if I can consider this a failure, where I feel like they did kind of screw that up in... When I was watching uh, JJ play, the scene in um, where you get uh, William's camera from Chloe, Yeah, uh, she's like, here, you take this camera, and I'll snag this picture as a symbol of our reunion. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's weird. Why did she snag that picture? Like, I, that doesn't make any sense. She like, commented she just on like, how cool it was. Oh, yeah, I mean, like, she's just like, oh, that's a cool picture. I'm going to take it from you. <laughs> she's she's a selfish that, human being. I don't think I, yeah, that's the, weird. The line, I don't know, the line always came off as kind of odd, but then, like, she just produces it in the last yeah. scene and is like, you can go back. That seems like something someone would do to me. I don't know. It just it's like, I'm giving you this gift... Uh, like, so I'm gonna well, take a payment. No, for like, cause it? I don't know. There's the whole thing, like, she doesn't she like, is essentially like claim that she's giving that to Max for her birthday. Yeah, yeah. and then like, it's kind of set up to make like Max feel really guilty that she didn't talk to Chloe at all. Right. So she's like, oh, she's like, oh, I'll take this. <laughs> you know, like I don't know, just to make amends, I guess. I suppose. Like I said, it didn't strike me on my first playthrough, so. It's not really, like, a, a huge downside. I did just find it, like... Because what did strike me is when I got to the fifth episode, is like, why does she still have that picture, like, in her pocket? Like, that's strange to me. Because it's a symbol of their reunion. Yeah, I guess, but it would also be, like, wrinkled and destroyed. But... <laughs> does she have a wallet? Does Chloe have... It's a Polaroid. What kind of wallet do you have if it's a Polaroid? I don't think <laughs> just a big has square. a wallet. Because like there's the part where she empties her pockets. Oh like, yeah, and, and she, she has a has, pack like, of cigarettes. Money. Yeah, loose change, a parking ticket, and her, her keys. keys. Un- unexplained. It'll be a mystery forever. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for the listeners' benefit, you were just like rapidly shrugging your shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> rapidly. Yeah, Most people shrug your brilliant. shoulders like one time. You did like eight times in a row. We thought he might just be dancing. Yeah, I can no longer describe what he's doing. Um, mm. Break time? Yeah, this might be a good time for a break. Good we should collect, break. Our, break collect our thoughts. So how about that time reversal on the candy? Yeah, yeah. As you probably just heard on the break, if I deem it good enough, mm-hmm. uh, we were discussing the like time reversal mechanic. We were having the, like classic science fiction debate of, like, how time travel works. The consistencies and inconsistencies. Yeah, Yeah. how that just, like, always sort of is a thing. Which, actually, this game avoids fairly well. It doesn't try to explain itself at all, which is good. Definitely a positive. There's no time machine. She doesn't have a time ring. Mm. Nope. There's no, like, science behind it. It's just, like, it's... Effectively magic. Yeah. Or the game sort of implies more of like a force of nature than anything else. Yeah. Right. Um, but it makes up what is basically the only like true outstanding like mechanic of the game. Yep. Because dialogue trees aren't exactly new and walking around is not <laughs> particularly... New. That's pretty old, yeah. Um, but I guess... When this game has puzzles, which as an adventure game, it like they had to sign a contract, <laughs> <laughs> so like we will include puzzles in this game. 
<laughs> that's the only way they'd let them like list it as an adventure game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all based around the idea of like reversing time and like when Max reverses time, throws her hands up, plays that nice sound that I put at the beginning of the episode, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and anything that she says is like reversed. Yeah. So like people don't know if you said something stupid. Uh, or if you did something stupid, but anything that's in your inventory, or seemingly that you manipulate, no, the environment will go back. Yeah, Pretty the much environment right. it's just things that stuff. you have, right? Yeah, things that are actually on you and have affected you stay. will stay. Yeah, right. Which is interesting. We had a brief discussion a week ago about like. What if Max got punched in the face and had, like, a black eye, and she reversed time, would she still have the black eye? I feel like she would. Yeah, yeah and I suspect that she would, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so it's mostly the inventory thing that is your puzzle solving and also the ability to just be in places. So other than just making puzzles more obtuse, why do you think it was included? Because clearly this is a response to Telltale Games. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think that they thought, you know what, these telltale narrative choice games need to make them real cool? Well, I think it's... Limited time travel. It's probably more along the lines of, like, we want to make a game in the same vein as these. What could we do differently? And that was, like, they probably, like, you know, came up with ideas. And they were like, this one seems interesting. And then they're like, oh, we could use it for puzzles. We could use it for blank and blank and blank. And then they structure the narrative around the mechanic. It's how I would guess it happened. I feel like... Give the boring answer. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, I feel like if you removed the puzzles from the game entirely, I don't think that it suffers particularly badly from it. Like, the only time that the time mechanic, or the time reverse mechanic that comes into play outside of a conversation that I feel like actually is effective in the in the game is when you are in actual danger. So, scenes where, like, you're walking up the hill in episode the two fall. and the logs are falling down on you and stuff like that, that all, to me, seems like a positive use of the time mechanic. But I feel like it mostly exists just for the conversations and they thought, like, well... We could probably design some puzzles around this <laughs> to actually, give it like a little bit of an extra oomph. Yeah, I don't think that the puzzles are particularly deep or anything, but right. I think they're all fun. So, like, I actually would think the game was negatively impacted if they were gone. The Mister, the final like Mister Jefferson confrontation was the game that I actually assumed most of this game would be. Right. Uh, I was surprised that there was that little of it, but man, did I enjoy what was there. I guess the inclusion of the time travel mechanic, if we're going to assume that they did it for any like positive gameplay reason, it does solve one tiny problem, which is the like minimalist information uh, problem with your with dialogue that a lot of these dialogue tree games have, where what you're going to say is like one, two, or three words displayed on screen and like a very tiny amount, and then when you hear like the full sentence of what you said. It's completely different than what you right. intended. Yeah, the Wolf yeah. Among Us was really bad about that. Yeah, I felt like there was no way out. that Big B did not sound like a dick. Yep, like I tried to do the least dickish playthrough I could, and there were times that I would pick options 
that I thought would be like neutral or like completely different than what he ended up saying. Right. Glass him. <laughs> yeah, well that one's different, <laughs> but uh <laughs> Time travel does remove that right. from being a problem. I also yeah. think less people are going to like cheat or try to game the game this way. Yeah. Like cuz when you, if you think about it like if you make a bad decision in The Walking Dead or The Wolf Among Can you us, save scum in those can, games? I believe so. I never tried. You can. You can. You can. Yeah. So you can theoretically just like quit out and restart and then do it again. Mhm. But in this game it's like you can quickly rewind if you don't like your immediate reaction, but in the future, if you don't like the intended reaction, in order to go back and change it, you sometimes have to go back entire episodes. Right. Which most people would not be willing to do. So yeah, I think it strikes kind of a nice balance there. Yeah. Yeah, overall, with the style of game that this is, with the message this game is trying to get across, I feel like... I guess not the message, but the mood that this game is trying to, like, convey... Uh, I think the time travel mechanic works really well in the dialogue trees. I was just arguing for the fact that you can do it in the overworld is mostly, I don't know, like added. It's it's a way it's a way to give you more information, right? Mm-hmm. Right from those part problems. Latching onto that comment though, do we think this game has? Well, it's impossible for the game not to have a mood. But do we think the game, like, what do we think the message of this game is if it has one? It's well, kind of weird to talk about that within the context of, like, Telltale-style choose-your-own-adventure games where players have, like, that much distinct agency based on what's going on and you aren't forced to do as many things as a lot of other games will comparatively try and make you in narrative right. sequences. I think that it's kind of just, like, a classic time travel kind of point where it's, like, if you had the ability to, like, change fate, would you... And does it even matter? Right. Because like this game, the what I take away at the end is the feeling of no matter what you did, like the universe kind of tried to course correct itself and would eventually like undo what you tried to change. But only if you decide to sacrifice Chloe. Because if you decide no, to sacrifice Arcadia Bay, like Arcadia Bay as shown, would not have, like, been obliterated if... Right, but, yeah. Uh, the, I honestly, like, I feel like it is trying... It, it's Bioshock Infinite's message if you removed all of the ham from their meaty fists. <laughs> JJ just almost did a big take. Oh, God. Legitimately. <laughs> Oh. He stopped him, so probably a bad call. You probably <laughs> should have just spit it out. <laughs> that Sprite is just going to stay in my sinuses. Yeah, like in your nose. For yep. the rest of my life. Yeah, enjoy that. Lemon lime. <laughs> yep. oh. I can't tell if that reaction was an agreement or not with uh, my point. I've, I've just never I've heard... I've never played Bioshock Infinite. I've never heard Bioshock Infinite described as, as, as hammy before. Well, it's not hammy, it's ham-fisted. Oh, yeah. It, like, really... Like, because... The way that the game, like the end of that game, spoilers for my shot, uh, fucking who cares, honk, don't play, honk, play spoilers, the first one, honk. Uh, <laughs> um, is, it basically says, like, at the end, it was like, well, there are a million people playing this game in a billion different ways, 
and they all ended up in the same place. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Life is Strange wants to say that, where it's like your choices as a whole, while they affected your moment-to-moment playthrough, in the end don't make a significant difference on the way that this... Like, it ends up being one choice makes the biggest difference. Mm -hmm. And uh, I feel like Life is Strange also just puts a... Like, unrelated to any other form of media. Yeah. Uh, puts, like, an emphasis an emphasis on nature. Like, I think that it, it wants to get across the point that, like, nature has, like, is, like, the overarching, like, power over the world. And so, like, when you try and fuck with nature, nature fucks you right back. <laughs> yep. <And laughs> Two moons in the sky, dead whales on the, on the beach. beach. And that's horrible yeah. tornado. Your storm. time travel power is constantly represented, or at least not represented as, but compared to, like, a deer on a butterfly. Right. Yeah. The butterfly being the, like, super obvious butterfly, butterfly effect. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing. Maybe we shouldn't talk about it right now, but I want to come back to talking about Rachel. Later. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She right. is in this game. Yeah. Yeah. We have not mentioned it yet. Well, she's not really in this game, is she? No. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could just talk about it right now. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, but, like, yeah. I, mean, we I felt like there was more to say to about, about the something. point of the game. <laughs> JJ didn't give his, his opinion. I, I don't know if he had one. I do. Uh, I'm a, a little bit worried that... I feel like the game has a point, but part of what they needed to do to get that point across required them to hamstring it a little bit. But the, everything I'm going to say is about the ending oh. in this regard. Oh, so you want to save it for later? Yes. Okay. All right. So about Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> um, initially, with the, with the dough, I'm going to say this up front here, um, I'm pretty sure, I mean, like, it's just it's supposed to represent Rachel. It's the spirit of Rachel. Right. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that until episode five. Yeah, but, I And agree. I'll get into that as we go. Right. But um, she seemed significant throughout the whole game. Mm-hmm. She appears to you. Um, she may have been the reason you got your powers, maybe. You don't know. Um, she leads you to the lighthouse. She, like, points you in the right direction several times. And ultimately leads you to where she is mm-hmm. to, like, give Chloe closure and all that. And then in episode five, it's just dropped. It's like she's just gone and it's never mentioned again. Well, there are two, I think, really significant things. Uh, I was agreeing with you. I'm about to say uh, the same thing you are. Okay. About. They, oh, oh, there are I two mean, really significant like things. Or anything. I'm just... <laughs> Steering the conversation. Yeah, I think that there are two really significant things in episode five that get dropped, and I feel like it's intentional. Um, and it's it might one, be. yeah, like Rachel's presence in the game is basically dropped because she, and it leads into the second thing, which is the whole at the end of or the beginning of episode five, you were really focused on going back and making sure that Mark Jefferson is like in custody. Right. Like, you want to prevent everything that happens, so you, like, try and get him jailed. Mm-hmm. And in episode five, at the end of episode five, Rachel isn't even, I mean, she's mentioned, but, like, it's not like a, you don't really feel, like, the influence as much right. as you do in other points. One exception, when it's you're there. in the nightmare sequence. 
Oh. One of the hallway sequences, you're you're in Rachel's clothes, right? And yeah. Rachel's posters uh, are everywhere. Right. Shaka bra, yeah, Shaka bra. Uh, um, but yeah, maybe. Oh, it but was also just... that uh, just real quick is that at the end of the like in neither ending, you know, the destroyer Arcadia Bay. I think it doesn't matter, but in the other one, it never mentions whether or not you actually go through with like exposing Jefferson, and. There's, we just watched the ending. Well, in... when you, when you say when you don't save Arcadia, right? Oh, it, that doesn't happen, right? You just drive away with Chloe. Right. Into Presumably, the Mark Jefferson is just dead. Well, no, right? in, in that no, no, in that timeline, Mark Jefferson was already caught because you're in the well, same timeline. In my playthrough, right. I let him get shot by David. Also, yeah, because that, yeah. I didn't realize you could rewind that because there was no butterfly, <laughs> but. So I thought like I was dead, which is permanent. Um, it, if I would have known, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have let that happen. But um, no, I think it's just maybe it's my personal expectations based on like the rest of the game. But like I thought that that was going to be more significant in the end. Like I thought that was going like it felt like they were, they they had like a direction they were going with that, and then they had to cut it. And, like, that's just what it feels like. I'm not saying, like, I think that's the case or anything. Right. But, like, it felt like that was there was supposed to be more there for me. To I'll me. agree. Yep. I don't know. I gotta say, I do agree with you that it wasn't evident that the dough was, like, supposed to be Cause my, until the end. Right. My original uh, guess was that the dough was Chloe's dad. And my original guess was that the dough was... Uh, Max's spirit animal. <laughs> this well, is this is that's not even supposed to be like a humorous statement. Like yeah, I know. literally, because she wears the t-shirts. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she has. Yeah, she has deer on all of her clothes, and uh, but she has deer on all of her clothes. No, it's just the the Jane Doe t-shirt. There's, there's one the other t-shirt. There's another one, and then there's one that has the deer skull that you wear at the end. And I am and then one episode no here in Rachel's clothes. To, so, there's one where she wears a deer doll. skull. Yeah, it's the, I think in episode five. Oh, I probably it's, just a, it's a black T-shirt with a deer skull. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, but there's a conversation that you can have with Buck. What is that guy's name? Uh, the janitor. Oh, Stanley. Stan. Stan- Stanley. Stan- We're gonna call him Stanley. Sure. Yeah. If that's wrong, um, you can yell at us later. Send yeah. us an email. You, there's a conversation you can have with him where. They, where you can ask him about why he has an affinity for squirrels, oh, and he that. says that squirrels are his spirit animal. And she said this, that she saw like a doe, yeah. and he was just like, "Oh, the doe is is guiding you. That could be your spirit animal." And I was just like, "Well, yeah. <laughs> solved." I think, yeah, I think it, it, the doe is Rachel's spirit animal. Yeah, essentially, or it could be. Max's, who knows? But then why would it go away? Wait, right. is, is it, it, it makes some kind of sense that it would go away once they found Rachel. Yeah. Right. Is, is like, Chloe's spirit thing? The butterfly? The butterfly? The butterfly. I, I think so. Yeah, it's, uh, well, Chloe is just represented throughout the game with the color blue. And, and I think more specifically with the butterfly. She draws the butterfly well. at one point. Randomly, the game addresses that too. Like she, yeah. she just like you find like a sketch in a room with a butterfly, and it's. A, I think she it's keeps like, the butterfly picture. Yeah, 
She's like, the Max butterfly picks it up and like, this can't be a coincidence. The butterfly lands on oh. her coffin, yeah. etc. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that butterfly does show up. Alright, I'll give it to you. Um, <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, like that's... If we're assigning a spirit animal to everybody, that, yeah. but it's not yeah. really a spirit, it's a literal, real butterfly. True. I mean, it could be interpreted as, like, uh, an imaginary butterfly, but it doesn't appear like... It might not be her spirit animal, but it definitely is just supposed to represent Chloe. Chloe, yeah. right, yeah. Weird metaphorical stuff, one way or the other. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, Rachel just felt like there was, like, some kind of weird, like, time constraint uh, yeah. content issue there or something. <laughs> I feel like Rachel point. just, like... Sort of, as, as much as it's I like respect... It's like, once you, like, find her body, like, nothing happens with her right. after that. She's dead. It, right, Gone. but, like, it, I, I think that's what the game's going for. Right. But it just feels weird, because, like, whole, so much of the game was dedicated to finding her. Yeah. Right. Well, like, as much as I respect this game's story, uh, it even it does not, uh, like evade tropes and I feel like Rachel is just sort of like a human MacGuffin yeah like it just like kind of drives it's the reason that Chloe you never see is, her either, yeah. yeah it's the reason that Chloe is like we see pictures of her but right, she's but no I mean, model you never see her right. in the game yeah. but yeah I mean it's the reason Chloe goes along with like anything that you do really is <laughs> like cause like you're like hey two moons in the sky fucked up right she's just like we gotta get back we gotta find rachel yeah that's another thing i think is really weird it's that like there's like two fucking moons in the sky (laughs) and people aren't like screaming about the apocalypse uh they're at the vortex club end of the world party true true the apocalypse can wait like well i thought that's why it was called the end of the world party i mean like metaphorically in game that's right but like no one seems to care at all, there's like, oh, two moons, weird, man. Yeah. That just added to the like weird Twin Peaks aesthetic yeah. for me. And it like, just another, people like, talk about the whales, right? Or at least you and Chloe do. Yeah. Right. And the snow. And the snow. The snow is the thing that gets the most like coverage from other people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're just like fucking weird snowed, right? And it's like they're literally yeah. like whale carcasses on the shore. <laughs> Nobody says a goddamn thing about right. it. Dude, but two moons, man. Two minutes, Lloyd. Yeah, and people aren't like looting and like pillaging <laughs> all the stores and stuff. You think that's all it would take? But I mean, but second you're in, moon a, appears in the sky. If the society's second moon done. appeared in the sky, people would freak the fuck out. That doesn't mean they would loot. <laughs> they might. Well, I mean, do you know there, there would be people who would be like, "It's the end of the world." <laughs> right. Fuck everything. Like one hundred percent. Just taking everything that you're saying is true. The whole game, like, you only get the perspective of the campus of this, like, one finishing school. True, but you don't go to the diner, and people aren't like, oh my god, two moons. (laughs) Well, you go to the diner at the, like, like, way after that, the next day. Yeah. From the time that you see the moons, you go to the graveyard... It's not a graveyard, it's a junkyard. You go to the junkyard, <laughs> you get sedated, and then you wake up the next day, and then you go to the diner, and everyone's freaking out because most of them are dead. Right? <laughs> so, I think that's... Uh, I mean, it could be, like, 
the world as a whole is freaking out, but most of the kids don't know because they're too busy underage drinking. We didn't even True. have confirmation I mean, that, that's possible. that weird shit, that people outside of this location are aware of any of the weird shit that's going down in the town. They're, they're like newspaper articles, and if you talk to the science teacher on the second day, she's like, uh, like, my colleagues at NASA or some shit, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't know what's going on. Like, okay, cause you're okay. like, if I like, do you know why it snowed? And she's like, if I did, I'd be accepting my Nobel Prize. <laughs> like, it's if, it's implied that it's like a big thing, and yeah. people are just like, oh, we don't know. What that the hell actually, happened. that okay, makes right. sense yeah. that they wouldn't care because they're like absorbed in their yeah in college their, life. Yeah, or their in their whatever. underage drinking. Yeah. They were all very drunk at the time. Yep. <sighs> These problems matter. Right. <laughs> Who am I going to ask to the Vortex Club party? <laughs> so, one one idea uh, that I had while playing through episode two uh, and that I just stated on more after that uh, was there is... It's not the message the game was intending to send at the moment, and I can respect that, and it doesn't mean that one message is necessarily better than the other, but... I had an idea for a very potent me- message that they could have sent uh, during the suicide sequence right. at the end. Uh, and I'm glad because they touched on it a bit uh, at during episode five, which suggested it was on their mind. Um, but in choice-based games like this, um, as these sort of like important choice moments have become like increasingly popular with like not just in sort of smaller projects like this, but in, like, massive, mass effects, yeah, huge Yeah, Bioware yeah. games are, like, very centered on choice now. Right. As that sort of mechanic has blown up in popularity, one of the sort of after-effects of that that I've always found sort of creepy and uncomfortable is that it the way the mechanics are set up, it is literally your decision that leads to all these sort of different events that are within the narrative, the acts of other people, but within the context of the game are accurately said to just be the results of your decisions. Right. Like whether or not Kate kills herself is just your choice as the player of life is strange, assuming you have the necessary information. Right. So he admits that he killed Kate. <laughs> I killed Kate as a player oh, of the game. Oh, he said it. But that saying that... <laughs> It removes all agency from Kate, the narrative character. Right. It makes Kate a thing that you act on. And this is sort of much more grossly represented as, like, any kind of romance option in, like, any Bioware game. Right. Like, when we have these conversations, you say, who do you romance? Or who did you romance? Yeah. When playing it. And, this, and that term that we just used yeah. was literally coined by the Mass Effect like, romance system. Yeah. Is the fact that, like, people now just refer to, like, romance as to, like, develop a relationship <laughs> with a character. Right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's so creepy if you take the narrative aspects of the game seriously, right? There's that disconnect between assuming the character is a character, is a person. Right. And admitting the kind of control that you actually have in the context of the game. And... I thought, in retrospect, because I was the only one who I did everything I could try and Kate ended up killing herself anyway, I thought a really potent message for them to have included at some point in the game a circumstance where you could have gone back in time as many times as you wanted and there was 
no way to change the outcome. You can assume that as like part of the message in, in if you picked the sacrifice Chloe ending, right? Uh, because they included the other option, even though I think they only included that insofar to make the other option more legitimate. Uh, I wanted there to be a sequence in which, no matter what series of options you chose with your time control powers, it always ended up the same way. In the suicide sequence, they set it up so that you just lost the powers and then made the choices, you know, permanent, just like they are in all these other games, and that added that extra sense of weight. But if you had the opportunity to go back and pick any other diverging set of options in, like, a narrative choice game like this... You could use that to solidify that the other characters in your world have, like, their own motivations and have their own things that they want to do separate from you and that you can't just control and mold the world in exactly the way that you wanted to. Right. There were other times when they touched on it in Episode 5, too. The sequence where Max, like, has an argument with herself in the diner, another horrifying, creepy sequence. Uh, One of the things that Max accuses the other Max of is uh, just manipulating the people around her to try and get whatever results she wanted to. And I think it's a, a sort of direct comment on this kind of creepiness that I'm trying to express and that I wish wasn't a result of these divergent choice games. Right. Um, but yeah, I just... that It seems like if I had made this game, I, I would have included that. And it's one of the few like big opportunities that uh, I thought they they could have gone through with the time travel element. Well, see, I I think that while I agree largely with your point, particularly in relation to other, like, choice-based games, and, like, even just having choice mechanics in games, uh, I feel like you were just outright wrong in reference to this game specifically. The fact that in this game, whereas, like, in a Mass Effect, you're just a guy, you have, like, a little bit of influence because of your, like, military ranking, but that's it. Yeah. In... Life is Strange, you literally do just have more power than other people. And if you so choose, with the exception of the few puzzles in the game, you could just not use the time reversal mechanic at all. With the, like I said, the puzzles, including the dialogue puzzles that require you to like go back and get more information yeah, and move yeah. forward. But a lot of those are just tutorializing or optional anyway. Mm-hmm. So you could go through without using it, but you make the choice as the player to manipulate people and to shape the world in your favor. And additionally, you could go back before Kate killed herself because you can look at photographs and go back in time, presumably indefinitely. At least years. Yeah. And at that point, like, that's a few days. Like, you just look at a photograph that you took of yourself at some point in the past go back in time and, like, fucking start, like, perform a denial-of-service attack on katesvideo.com. Yeah. And I should never even know about it. Yeah. So there are lots of... Now, I will agree that it does seem odd that there's, like, that in that specific circumstance that you can't... There's nothing you can really do to... You to make it seem like... I feel like the sequence is set up to make it seem like saving Kate is a struggle because her will to do it is so strong and that you have to, like, prove yourself in an incredibly video gamey way of just being like, check the boxes, like, do you remember this? Did you do this? Yeah. Uh, But, like, 
just, you know, irrespective of that, because they didn't really have much of an option. I, I think that it is, like, it, it like, <laughs> I always felt like the characters had a will. I have to say I did, too. I, they do. They do within the context of the narrative. But when you think about it in the way I'm outlining, I mean, you have to admit that insofar... You, you can influence huge major decisions in people's lives. Whether Kate lives or dies, what kind well, of Well, I mean, that could be true in real life, too. Yes, but you can't go back. You don't have the information true, in all the other you, circumstances. In I the guess. context of a game, it's, it's just mechanical. Right. It's purely mechanical. It, there isn't... Well, I guess we, we could... Getting free will, arguments, but you don't want to. Well, I'm I'm actually curious as to what other major like decisions you can influence, like just outside of just the moment to moment stuff. Because like the the butterfly effect that the game so heavily like rides on is the principle of it is that by making changes. small changes you affect the, like things in a grander scale. Yeah, and we've already discussed that you while you do have influence over those small changes and their immediate effects, yeah. you're ignorant of the larger scale effects of them. Yeah. So, like, say in the game you wanted to, like, accuse David from the outset. You would know that at the, at, like, in the middle of episode one, you need to take a photograph of him and not step in. And... Then in that scene, the principal's office, you can accuse David and produce the photograph as evidence. But you don't know that when you make the decision. You don't know that for at least another few hours. So you have influence over these small things that could be major, but you don't actually know what the major outcome is. So I don't feel like people are just like in the palm of your hand at all times. That's a, that's a good point. I think it, it, there's, a, there's a distinction between... What I, what I find weird isn't the narrative justification of what's going on, the, the fact that at these specific points, you don't know, you don't have all the information if you're just a random guy playing the game. It's the mechanical necessity that I always found creepy. It's like, I mean, in that sense, I guess it's the, it's like the second playthrough where the guy who's like on, who like asks game facts, right. like, what do I do to let Kate live? Right. It's that that I, that I always had a problem with. Hilariously, just as a side fact, like if it was your first time through the game and you asked Game Facts, how do I keep Kate alive? But you didn't do the other things that you needed to do to keep Kate alive. Right, you, you just couldn't, couldn't do it anyway. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the second playthrough thing is weird. As I right. experimented with on my second playthrough of The Walking Dead, where I just chose to. I wanted to just be as big of an asshole as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. And it, like, so, like, funnels you into certain things. But beside the point, like, I knew what the consequences of my decisions were before I made them. Yeah, but is that kind of thing, like, avoidable, you think, in these kinds Not of games? Not a narrative-based game, in my opinion. Yeah, I would have to say I don't think it would be either. Well, impossible, no, because theoretically they could just, like make such wildly divergent paths, right. but practically, yeah. it's impossible. Practically, it's impossible. Like I was mentioning earlier, it's just it's just a consequence of these like narrative choice-heavy games that I've always thought led to for the creepy manners of discourse about them. It, yeah. I do, just to like totally swerve here. Word, uh, swerve. 
Go back to something you said earlier, which is uh, I do feel like it was a big missed opportunity to not have a situation that no matter what you did, you couldn't change it. I feel like that could have benefit, benefited this game a lot. It would have been so affecting with the, with the time travel mechanic. Like, like imagine a circumstance like the the final Mr. Jefferson fight of the game where there were like that many like diper- divergent paths and <laughs> the results. boss fight yeah but <laughs> the boss fight the boss is an accurate statement dude that yeah. ended up that's another thing that shouldn't have been funny but ended up being funny because of how many times like Mr. Jefferson would come in and him and David would fight each other oh right and it just yeah. ended up being really I was like, funny I remember when you were playing and I was just like kick the table and he, like, kicks the table, and it does nothing, and then he gets shot. I just love the fact that you can just rewind me, like, kick the table. And you're like, okay. Huh? <laughs> it almost comes across as slapstick. Yeah, it really does. God, I was always so much more into it. Either that yeah. or I'm just less funny of a human being. You are just, less funny than us. <laughs> that is true. But you could also just not have quite as dark a sense of humor. Right. Because it's, as much as, like... It's the repetition. Like, at yeah. first, it's, like, really tense. Right. And then yeah. you keep rewinding it, and you're like... <laughs> It's a <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Smug single laugh. No. Yeah, I mean, you just gotta well, keep doing this over and over. Well, again like I kept over. missing the because I was too stupid to realize that you could like rewind to your previous choice at this point in the game. Uh, I kept missing the the like prompt to tell Chloe where to shoot, and so oh. I ended up watching Chloe shoot herself. Like fourteen times in a row because I kept trying to rewind and not getting all the way back. And so by the, I mean by the like eighth time, that was pretty funny too. <laughs> but anyway, so imagine if no matter what you did in that certain situation, with all those options, like none of them worked. Yeah, but right. it couldn't obviously be because in that fight it was it was a boss fight insofar as every other option that didn't work just led to like a, the. Life is strange, gray game over screen. Right, uh, where you're the like about to die screen. Uh, but if it had instead just resulted in just some really bad thing, right? Yeah, and you had all the same sequences. That that, that, that could have been yeah. amazing. I mean, they would have had to have worked that out narratively because you're tied to a chair. Right, there's not a whole lot like at that point. It's just like, well, I'm <laughs> fucked. <Yeah. laughs> if yeah. for some reason you couldn't reverse, yeah, I don't know. Uh, as an addendum, uh, or as an as an appendix to that conversation about Kate's suicide, yeah. I would like to say briefly, uh, motherfuck the Golden Joystick Awards. Oh yeah, fuck them. What for having a you don't cat- know about this? Yeah, for having a category this year uh, prior to the release of Episode Five. So. Probably people haven't played the game yet. Probably no one who only plays games on a console has played the game yet because it's not even fucking out yet. <laughs> Having a category called Best Moment of 2015, fucking like nomination Kate Suicide Attempt. <laughs> like, just outright telling you what happens at the end of episode two. Uh, yeah, that's a huge spoiler. Yeah, that's like the worst how thing did, in the no, world. How was no one like, man... Maybe we shouldn't put this in there. Right, as the... Like, I'm sure that fucking Square and Don't Nod weren't like, oh, we really gotta win this golden joystick award. (laughs) Everybody cares about that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. The worst. 
Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. That. So fuck the Golden Joysticks. Fuck them. We're taking a we we're taking a stand. No clip has beef <laughs> with the Golden <laughs> Joystick <laughs> Awards. Uh, good times. That pretty much leads us right the fuck up to the ending. Yeah. Yep. So you had a point that you wanted to make. This isn't we like in the game. We can rewind. Do you want to <laughs> and talk about other things after? You want to have everybody this say what missed. ending they picked? That's a good idea. Go, Chad. You first. Go. Right, my name is Chad, um, and I'm <laughs> a recovering alcoholic. No, uh, <laughs> well, that is true. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I I chose the sacrifice Chloe ending. I I sacrificed Arcadia Bay. I also sacrificed Arcadia Bay. Yeah. I also. To put it in context, though, uh, Andy actually thought for eight seconds at least <laughs> about uh, when Chloe asks oh, you to yeah. kill her. We should talk about that too. We can do that right now if you'd like. Before, sure. In the when you do the the one of the coolest parts of the game, if not the coolest in my opinion, when you first go back in time through the picture to the distant past so like right. what is it like eight years ago or something yeah keep her dad alive yeah and to try to keep chloe's dad from dying um then you come back to the present and it's all com- crazy altered uh <laughs> and chloe's now in a wheelchair and has to use like a breathing apparatus and like all kinds of her stuff. lungs are inevitably going to collapse yeah her yeah. death is still imminent so yeah she's timeline. she ended up in a car crash instead of her dad like years later and uh, so you, stuff plays out, like, you came back to Arcadia Bay, you meet up with Chloe, and she's, you know, crippled and dying, and it's real sad, it's like, it really hits you, and you try to hang out with her, and, you know, be cool, and friends with her, and everything, and then you watch Blade Runner, I think, yeah. in her room <laughs> with her, and, uh, afterwards, like, you fall asleep during it or something, and then after you co- you wake back up, she asks you to kill her, to unplug her machines. Most of, she says specifically that she overheard some doctors talking while they thought she was zonked out. Right. Uh, that... <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, that, uh... She was going to, like, that she didn't have long to live anyway. Right. So it's, like, clearly a a, uh, a terminal uh, illness. Right. Yeah. So she wants, she just wants it to be over with. Right. You find so, letters that confirm that. Right. And she asks you to pull the plug on her. Right. And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to kill somebody. I'm actually a little <laughs> bit curious, because at this point they could guess what I did. Right. Uh, what you did. My entire professional career is predicated on the idea that the answer to that question is yes, you help her kill herself. Okay, well, I also did. It took me less than a second to press the button. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I, I never would have pulled the plug on her. So, uh, this podcast is now being renamed to Andy Kinnick and the Kevorkian <laughs> But anyway, so... We could probably go on about that, but I think we should probably yeah. come yeah. to the end now. Yeah, because that, that moves on to questions of... Yeah, getting a little too heavy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, actual, like, philosophically deep questions. Yeah. yeah, about more, like, ethics, but... Biomedical ethics, right. specifically. Uh... But if we are going to move on to the ending where I was the only person to sacrifice one 
For the needs of the many. <laughs> yeah, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. <laughs> exactly. See, I, after picking the Sacrifice Arcadia Bay ending, after I let it marinate a little bit, I watched the other ending on YouTube and just completely wish I would have picked Sacrifice Chloe because I think it's the better ending. I think, And I feel like it fits the theme of the game better. I, I just think I wish I would have made the other decision. There are, like, two different conversations that we can have about the ending choice. Well, let's have them both. The first, after watching just a few minutes ago the other ending choice uh, before sitting down to do the cast, you are so right that's clearly, like, the canon ending of the game. It's ridiculous. Yeah. like that, I, That's not even, like, what made me make my decision. I have, that it's, like, it got, like, the real send-off. Like, clearly the developers like it better. Mm-hmm. And just personally, after seeing that, like, I mulled it over, and I feel like that's just the better choice. I, uh, personally. I have a response to both of you before that goes on, before we go on. Sure. And that is, one... To your to JJ's point, I believe that it is like probably considered like the canon real ending, and the only reason that I say that is because they do just devote more time to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and, and the other ending is a little ambiguous too. It is a little bit, but, but yeah, I mean, like the amount, the fact that they like just had such such an extended like scene when you choose that mm-hmm. it makes it like kind of painfully obvious that that's the one that they that they intended to be like mm-hmm. the one. Uh, I'm just saying that's not what changed my mind. Right. To your point though that uh, it fits the tone of the game more I think the theme. Not, the, t- not the, the theme, not right. the tone. The theme of the game more is that oh, I feel like that's only if you like re- like if your playthrough leads up to that decision and that you ch- and you choose it and it feels like it goes against the theme I feel like that is more of an indication of like how you viewed playing the game. True. Because there's a way you can go through the game and not feel as close to Chloe as like we did right. going in uh, by all kinds of things. Like don't take the blame for the weed side with David. Like, there are all kinds of things. Yeah, Romance Warren instead of her. It's just like, it it could feel more like, it could be an easier choice. Right. It's never supposed to be an easy choice, but it could be easier. Yeah. And I feel like in that situation, sacrificing Chloe versus Arcadia Bay, theoretically in my playthrough, I probably, like, realistically should have sacrificed Arcadia Bay. But that was yeah, just like, me saying, like, fuck that. My, yeah, <laughs> my, I think my thought process was, like, I, it, in the moment, I was like, we've played through this whole game, and we've gone through so much to save Chloe's life. Right. I feel like there's no way Max would let her go now. Mm-hmm. So that's the decision I made. But like, I feel like that's almost, I don't know, I just don't like... Upon, you know, like, distance from it, I don't like that I had that thought process. I wish I would have made the other The, the other line choice. that killed me, the, like, the... Because la- this, I mean, the whole game was, like, very, like, emotional. Like, right. that's, like, the, I guess, the point. Mm-hmm. I think that it succeeded. 
like well. In or it space. could be that I'm a big softie. No, it's uh, definitely <laughs> definitely emotional. Yeah. I the line that fucking got me was when she's just like, My mom deserves to be more than a waitress at a fucking diner. And I was just like, Oh god. Like <laughs> that's the point where I was just like, There are so many people yep. <laughs> that like that you like, you know, talk to and fucking like learn about. And she's like, they're just all gonna be dead. Right. Mm-hmm. See, I, and I feel like that's, like, the, the whole, like, two thought processes that most people will have. Right. Because they'll initially think, like, oh, I'm so close to Chloe, I should save her. Right. And then they might just pick that. Mm-hmm. And then if they think about it more, like, they'll realize that, like, how many other people there are. <laughs> and, like, how much, like... The Star Trek quote, you know, we needs of the many, right. needs of the few, you know that the reality of that sets in, and they will make the other choice. But you're only limited to those options within the confines of the narrative. Like if you if you live with Chloe after all of this, as well, far as you know, your powers aren't gone. See, my interpretation of what would happen if you sacrifice Arcadia Bay and you leave Chloe is that. A, the universe is going to keep trying to kill her. <laughs> and B, you probably still have your powers. I don't know. That would be my guess. I but imagine I feel like that you, it doesn't, say, it doesn't, it doesn't state say, either way my, my whether guess. you lose your powers in any ending. Right. Like, but so. um, I'm going to assume she still has them. Yeah, I, I, I was given no indication that she would lose them. Right. Yep. Um, so I feel like you're just going to end up doing that whole dance forever. Like, I feel like picking the Save Chloe ending is you're just, like, committed to just saving Chloe's life over and over again for the rest, as long as you both live. Right. As long as you both shall live. Yep. Right. Because, like, I know that you said when we talked about this the other day that you didn't necessarily see it the way that I did, that, like, the I think the universe is clearly trying to like course correct itself and like chloe is just supposed to die seeing the ending has changed my mind about it and then it's divided into two separate claims there is what i would do in the circumstance right and there is i think what the develop the message the developers are intending to send right i think they're absolutely intending to send that sort of inevitability message right but within the context of the game I would never make that choice, and I disagree with the overall message that the game is trying to send in that sense. That doesn't make it bad, of course. The game is fantastic. I loved it a lot, start to finish. But that specific sort of inevitability of the universe, things will always correct itself, uh, no matter how powerful you are, some things are just faded, is something that I would, in Max's circumstance, spend my entire life attempting to resist. Like mm-hmm. me in the place of Max would absolutely spend the rest of their rest of my days like fighting to keep Chloe alive at like all costs and odds because yeah. I believe that I have the ability to remove those costs retroactively. Yeah. My uh See, like, my interpretation of the ending that, like was skewed completely by the fact that I felt empowered as like a like as a player of the game to say that I like felt that the like that the lives of the people of Arcadia Bay are worth more than the life of just Chloe in like a realistic circumstance where I was standing on a hilltop I could not justify 
deciding to kill an individual person in right. that circumstance. Like, like I would take the non-action initiative over the active right. like participation. Well, I think that's like the easier ending to go with. Right. Because it, it doesn't involve you doing anything. Right. Wait, which one are you referring to? The, the Sacrifice or Katie, Katie Bay. Bay. Yeah. Right. It's, it's the fact that they put it in like such, they put a verb in front of it yeah. in the game. They say sacrifice, like giving you an active role in whatever you're choosing. Yeah. So there isn't like a, it's not save Chloe or save Arcadia Bay. It's the other way around, nor is it like save Arcadia Bay or do nothing, yeah. which would be your alternative. Within the context of the game, I like. I think it's very clear that it tries to present to you that all the horrifying events that are going on are like a direct result of, I don't know, something you're doing, and it's in some way related to Chloe's continued existence. And you're correct that they kind of throw at you to the end, like, look how many times you've had to save my life over and over again. But me in Max's circumstance wouldn't take the kind of madness that's going on as evidence for that specific thesis yet. Particularly when, again, you can continue to use when the photographs. When there's that much on the line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when there's murdering your best friend, or in some playthroughs and interpretations, like the person you love. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. You have all the time in the world to test and find out. <laughs> well, you don't know that, though. Right. I think, I think the... Mm, I feel like the game wants you to think, like, hey, this is a game, they're not going to let me reverse this choice. Or they want you to think, this is like Kate. Like, after you go through the extended, like, time reversal thing, you can no longer rewind time. Like, well. <laughs> yeah, like, because Kate had, like, the time stop thing yeah, for a while. And... and then you couldn't do anything after that. I think the game wants you to know that that is the last thing you do. Oh, yeah. It's the huge pause after Chloe says her last line right. into going going into the choice is very good at setting up the decision as sort of monumental last decision that the whole game was building up to. Right. And it clearly did a really good job because as of the last time we checked, it was, what, 54, 60, 54, 46? Yep. Something like that. Yeah, okay. with 54 sacrificing Chloe and 46 sacrificing Arcadia Bay. Yep. So that's a really like absurdly even split. <laughs> yeah. If you're wondering, the point about the ending that I held off on earlier was that I honestly think after seeing the second ending that the, sacri that the sacrificed Arcadia Bay ending, in terms of like developer intent, only exists so that the Chloe ending can be like in all senses your active choice. I think it. I think the second ending from in the in the eyes of the kind of message the developer was trying to put in you is just, it's so bare bones in comparison. There are so many weird open questions that are unsolved in that ending. Right. But I think it's just there so that it can be accurately said that when you sacrificed Chloe, you chose to, to, to do that. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good place to leave it. Yep. Uh, thanks for listening this week. Um, two weeks from now, we're going to be talking about a huge favorite game of everyone in this room except me I don't hate it but these guys fucking think it's the, just the bee's goddamn knees Kingdom Hearts uh, another Square Enix game uh, but more 
sort of their style. More Square Enixy. Yeah. Well, I think they developed it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They gave was... it more than just money. Yeah. And press. <laughs> yeah, I don't actually know how much like influence Square. It feels Square E. Like Life is Strange oh, does. Yeah. Because like they talk about what? No, no it feels Square E. What? Yeah, they like. I mean, it has Square's influence on it. They they explicitly <laughs> reference what Final Fantasy spirits within. <laughs> I don't care what anybody it's says. It's a tasty plasma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Can you know what even say the whole episode is ready, ready for, for the mosh pit, Shakabra? Man, I thought there was no mm. way we were yeah. going to say that a million times. <laughs> well, we're going to close with it. All right. And also, I'm leaving this part in so gotcha. that we say it again. Good. Uh, uh, you can get a hold of us. Uh, comments, questions, feedback, whatever you want. Uh, NoClipPodcast at gmail.com. Additionally, you can get us at NoClipPodcast on Twitter and at NoClipPodcast.com and NoClip on YouTube, which there's now a link to on NoClipPodcast.com, so it's a little bit easier to find. Uh, thank you for listening. Yeah. Unless you're people behind the Golden Joystick Awards. Yeah. In which case, you maybe. fuck out. Okay. I mean, there's, there's going to be another fade-out episode <laughs> where it just slowly drains away. Except for the word shaka, 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 shaka. Oh, fuck, we never said go ape. Unless you're the people behind the Golden Joystick Awards. Yeah. In which case, you fuck out. Yeah, (laughs) you go, never mind, that's me. It's going to make a joke about them. Oh, Lord. It's way too mean. Yeah, it's a little bit too mean. It's not approved by the No Clip Podcast. I'm just gonna put like Best a moment of 2016 <laughs> will be the Golden Joystick Joyce Joyce get cancelled. Golden Joystick. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. I'm just gonna put like some censorship beeps over that and this because that was too much. <laughs> it was too fucking raw. Too raw. It was too ready for the mosh pit. The raw. Shaka brass. <laughs> It was too shaka raw. <laughs> too shaka raw, shaka bra. Kill me. <laughs> 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 <laughs>